Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we look to your word tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And so I pray, Lord, even as we turn to the scriptures, you would strengthen our faith. I pray for all of those who are hearing this message tonight that you would light a fire in us, a greater love for Jesus. I pray that you'd bless the hearing and the speaking of your word tonight as we talk about Jesus, the supreme judge. Jesus, the supreme judge. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us into truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So tonight's title is Mount of Olives Messages. Jesus reveals he is the supreme judge. So we've been looking through Matthew 24 and 25. Caleb, you know all about that, right? Yeah. So we've been looking through a number of passages in the two chapters of Matthew 24 and 25 where Jesus talks about the end of the age because the disciples, if you remember, ask Jesus, What are the signs of the end of the age and of your coming? And so he begins to lay out a series of signs, and then he teaches some parables. Come on in. Come on in. It's just us right now. I'm Derek. There's some notes right there. I literally just turned on Facebook Live. I'm just going through the teaching for those who are on Facebook. Do you want to join with? Yeah. We're going to just do this and then pray together. Right. Okay, what was your name? Thomas. Thomas. Thanks for coming tonight, Thomas. Well, I just, normally when it's just a few of us, I'll just go through a teaching through Facebook Live and then we'll have a prayer time together for whoever's here. And so I'll just go through these notes briefly and, uh, and then we'll have a time to get to know each other and pray together a little bit. But first time here? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you got a t-shirt coming your way. <laughs> First time visitors get blessed. Did you say hi to our, uh, our brother here? Okay. All right. Well, tonight is an interesting subject. Uh, Jesus, the supreme judge. And so I guess for my kiddos and for, for the, uh, those here, we're going to go dive deep into this together. Um, but normally what I do is I just, I print out some, some notes. And so you can look through those on your own time or go through with me. Um, I just like to give people something to look through, but, uh, the Mount of Olives messages was Matthew 24 and 25, what we've been going through the last number of weeks. And the last thing Jesus talks about in Matthew 25 is he says, 
Essentially, I am the supreme judge of the universe, which is an astounding claim. And so I want to read through this passage and then just highlight four things, four important aspects of what he meant. This is not something you might not commonly hear because it's got some teeth to it, but it is so important for us to understand as believers. And so uh, whether you're with us on Facebook or here and on the recording, uh, just hang in there with me. I want to go through this and I want us to hear what the Lord has to say. But this is, this is interesting to me because he was speaking in parables for a while and then he changes directions and he, he kind of stops speaking in parables. I mean, we've talked about how he was sharing about, you know, he's the the bridegroom, and then there was the ten virgins, and then he's the traveler who gave the talents, and he was speaking in different ways, and then he just comes straight forward in Matthew 25, 31. Let me read this, and, and let's just feel the weight of what he's saying. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, uh, hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this is interesting. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we uh, see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly. That is the Jesus way of saying for real. For real, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, You did it to me. Astounding. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire. Ooh, that's not good. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? I think that's it. it, What a a phrase, and did not minister to you. Wow. I mean, just doing these simple things, we're ministering to the Lord. Verse 45, he says, then he will answer He will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This isn't something you hear too often. (laughs) I don't hear this preached too often 
It's got some teeth to it because there's some weighty things. I mean, so much preaching today is feel good, feel better about yourself. Jesus comes right at us here and says there's two groups. You're either in or you're out. You're either serving the Lord or you're not. I mean, he doesn't have all these middle categories that we like to create to kind of soften the blow. He says, you're either really ministering to me or you're not. So the first thing I want to point out, and I'm not going to go too long tonight. We've been on this series for a number of weeks. The first point is really good news. There is a supreme judge in the universe. There is someone really in charge up here. That's good news. I mean, there's a lot of people who just believe it's all a big accident. They go outside and they see the sun, moon, and stars, and they go, wow, what an accident. I look at the sun, moon, and stars, and I go, there's got to be someone who made that. There's got to be someone who was smart enough. I mean, I I say this often, but when we see a, a tablet... We don't assume it just manifested out of nowhere and we're like, wow, what a cool compilation of microchips that just happened to manifest as an iPad. That doesn't happen. But we're talking about something so much more complex, the known universe, and people can still go, wow, that must have just banged out of nowhere. I mean, it's just unthinkable. I mean, the fact that the sun just sits there and it's perfectly the right distance for our Earth And we're positioned to see stars and galaxies and faraway things. And it's just like, that's too many accidents to kind of go, yeah, there's probably no one in charge. The good news, Jesus is saying here, there is someone in charge. Yeah, we got a thumbs up from Joshua. There is someone in charge of it all. Praise God. But here's the rub. This is where people kind of go, are you serious? Jesus says, I'm that guy in this passage. You can't make a bigger claim than that. You can't make a loftier claim than saying, not only am I going to sit on the throne of the earth, people are going to respond to me. And I'm going to decide who's in and who's out because I am the supreme judge. This is a lofty claim. I mean, he's basically saying in as many words, I'm God, I'm in charge, I'm the ultimate judge of all peoples. And this is why I think he kind of saves this for last. He's sort of leading up to it, but he says in as many words, there's someone running everything and he's here with you now and you really want to be on his side. When I meditate on that, when I think about that, I just think to myself, how incredible that the person who made everything, who spoke it all into existence, comes into the world and tells us that he's that person, and yet many still are like, I don't know. There is someone running it all And that person is this man, Christ Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. He's alive today. I mean, he died for our sins, died on the cross, resurrected, appeared to many saints. I mean, we know the gospel, but he's at the right hand of the Father right now, and we want to be on his good side. This is so important. There is someone in charge, and as he begins to talk about 
uh, different aspects of these implications, he does make very clear that there's really two ultimate groups of people. There are people who accept him and there are people who reject him. And, and again, in today's kind of humanistic sort of culture, we want there to be many ways to God. Jesus is saying there's two groups. There's those who've received me by faith and there, there are those who've rejected me. There's no middle ground. So there's these two groups. Even in the story, he says there's the sheep, there's the goats, there's the blessed, there's the cursed, there's the saved, the unsaved, the righteous, the unrighteous. We want to be on his good side. And here's the good news. What I love about Jesus is it's not a works salvation. So many religions are like, okay, you got to do this and then you got to do that and then do some more and then maybe God likes you. I mean, that's so many religions. With Christ, it's we believe and we're saved. And from that, we're motivated to do good works. We don't work to get saved. We believe, Lord, I love you. I just want to follow you. Okay, you're in, you're saved. You'll live for eternity. And out of that freeness, the Bible calls that the gift of grace, out of that completely free gift, and by the way, he drew us to himself to even want that in the first place, out of that like, what a gift, eternal life. Then we want to, of course, do good, which is what he talks about. In essence, if your faith is real, you're going to be doing these good things for people. You're going to want to help people. When people are sick, you're not going to be like, uh. I mean, I get a little leery around sick people, but I still try, you know, drop a meal off at the door to kind of do something. You know, but when we're truly Christ followers, we look at people differently. Oh, you're in prison? I want to come visit you. Oh, you're sick? Man, I, I want to help you. I want to get some medicine to you. Or, man, you're, you're down on life, or life has come at you hard? Here's some clothes. Here's some stuff. Let's get you going again. Like, this is how Christians think. And so there's these two groups of people. Which group are you in? That's the question I'm asking myself and us. I want to be in the group of people who are in who are saved, who are righteous by the blood of Christ, who are among the sheep, among the blessed, who will live forever. Jesus says there's two destinations. Again, people today, they well, oh, man, I get it, there's a heaven and a hell, but I think there's this middle place where I'll just fit in for a while and then someone will pray me up there. None of that's in Scripture. Jesus makes clear there's eternal life, everlasting punishment. And it, it's not PC, it's not going to fly on mainstream media, but we got to be faithful to go, what did Jesus say? There's two camps. There's two eternal destinations. I want to be in the right place. And again, we don't have to do a whole bunch of, you know, jump through hoops that are on fire and do all these things to please God. We simply believe by faith he gives us salvation. He seals us with the Spirit. And then we want to work for Him. We want to do good works, not to get saved, but to show I am saved. You get what I'm saying, my man. So there is someone in charge. He is the supreme judge. There's two groups of people. There's two ultimate destinations. And then the thing I want to spend some time here, just a minute, I just, I'm amazed when I really think about what he really said here about these people. 
Jesus actually said, I'm going to evaluate you based on how you're treating these particular groups of people. Excuse me. He mentions six groups of people. He says the hungry. What do we do with the hungry? The thirsty, the stranger or foreigner, those without clothing, the naked, the sick and in prison. He uses these six groups and what I'm thinking is he's, he's basically saying, how do you view the most vulnerable of society? Are you trying to help them or are they kind of like a political point where you just kind of, you know, those people, or do you really care? I mean, we have all kinds of people that show up here. We have, for the, the eight years I've done this, we have had all sorts of people come in. We have homeless people come in. We have people who have no clothing. We have people who have no home. We have people who, all sorts of people that fit every one of these descriptions. And Jesus says, you get to help them because I love those people. And not only do I love them, how you treat them is how you treat me. You know, we've had such an opportunity with this pandemic. They said a, a million people have died just in our nation of COVID. And I think, I think man, what an opportunity to show compassion to the millions of people who've been sick or lost a loved one or have been affected by this pandemic, but many have chosen to just argue about it and make it into some political point. Jesus goes, millions of people have been sick. You can minister to me by ministering to them. That's just one example. Jesus wants us to know how we treat that guy on the sidewalk or that lady at the grocery store or the person that we see in church or whoever comes in the house of prayer, Jesus says, you treat them a certain way. You're treating me that way. So whether you love them or not love them, just know that you're treating me that way. I, I feel like Jesus could have gone on and on. He could have said, the guy that's having a rough day, you smile at him, you smile at me. You hold a door for that guy, you hold a door for me. I mean, anything we treat people, we're treating the Lord that way. Jesus wants us to see he's like, he's, he's, he sees everything. I just think that's amazing. He says, what you've done for them, you've done to me. That's amazing. Every single person we encounter in our day, we have an opportunity to serve Jesus. That just astounds me. Every person. Like, what? It makes you want to be kind because it's like Jesus and every single person. What are we treating them like? I mean, I'm a little convicted when I think that myself because I'm like, oh, how have I been? Jesus is, you know, how I treat my kids is how I treat Jesus. How I treat my spouse is how I treat Jesus. How am I treating Jesus lately? How are we all treating Jesus lately? I think it's worth saying we are saved by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, not by works. We can't work ourselves into heaven. It's simply a gift of grace. It's a gift of faith. But, I'm repeating myself, good works, such as those mentioned here, they're an evidence of saving faith. So Jesus isn't preaching a works righteousness. What he's saying is, if you're truly a follower of mine, and you're truly saved, you'll, be, you'll know this. You'll be growing in this. None of us are perfect, 
but you'll want to show compassion specifically to the poor, specifically to the needy, the vulnerable, the refugee, the immigrant. This is not conservative or liberal. This is Bible. This is Jesus stuff. I mean, so many Christians today, they're like, well, I don't know about refugees. That's kind of a liberal thing. No, no, we need to get totally out of that whole conversation and narrative. What did Jesus say? How we treat that stranger or that foreigner, same, same idea, is how we treat Jesus. How we treat fill in the blank is how we treat Jesus. I think it's interesting. Jesus starts off by saying, I'm the judge. I'm going to come and I'm going to sift through all the sheep and the goats. I'm going to separate people. There's two groups. There's two eternal destinations. And then he's like, make sure you're treating people the right way. And it's like, I mean, I know he doesn't want to scare us, but it's like he wants us to know for sure. We're going to have a conversation and I want that conversation to go good. It's like kind of like, you know, when you have your boss and you're like going throughout the year, you're like, I want to work good because I want that end of the year conversation to go really well. And they kind of give you hints throughout the year like, okay, you're on track. I just want that final conversation when we get to see each other face to face. We talked about last week where he'll say, well done to those who are good, faithful servants. I want to be in the category where it's like, well done. I mean, treated people like, you know, you saw me in them and so you were able to love them. Hallelujah. Let me just wrap this up here. So we've talked, I mean, maybe I've done this series for six or seven weeks. We're going to end there. Uh, We're going to bring that whole Matthew 24, Matthew 25 series to a close. Um, and, and, And those teachings are all on our, What's going on, man? <laughs> Those teachings are all on our website. And, uh, and then just the last thing I wanted to mention, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus talked about the bridegroom and the 10 young girls. And then he talked about the, the traveler who gave his money and then he left town and they were supposed to invest it. But woven through these stories is this idea that Jesus is a bridegroom, a king, and a judge all in one. He has this heart of a bridegroom where he's so loving, but he's not just like this loving guy. He's also very powerful. He's king, but he's not just any other king. He's the supreme judge over everything. And so when I think of all these parables put together, there's one of these core themes of we see Jesus, he's this bridegroom returning for his church because he loves his church dearly. He died for his church. But he's also the king that's bringing a kingdom, but he's also the judge who he's going to make the final determination between all peoples. I mean, I don't know how it's going to work, but like literally everybody in history is going to have to report out to this guy. I don't know if I'm about to get hit by a board or something. <laughs> Yeah, don't fall through the hole there. Just wanted to mention, as you read through these chapters, notice there's a few hints where there's the reference to a king. There's the teaching that he's a judge. He has the heart of a bridegroom. And I think that understanding of Christ is going to be more and more important because as we get closer and closer to the end of the age, 
to, to discern why he's doing what he's doing in the earth, we're going to have to know he loves people like a bridegroom on his wedding day, just loves his uh, bride, and he has a heart of love, and he's very powerful. He's king overall, and he's, he's not just any king. He's, he's, the, he's the supreme ruler. He's the judge. I think it's very important to make note also that he's not just... Um, he, he, he operates based on truth and justice. So some people are like, oh, all these politicians in the world today kind of have their own agenda. But Jesus' agenda when he returns, it's going to be a kingdom of righteousness and peace and justice. He's going to eradicate what's wrong and evil and he's going to usher in what's good and right. And so it's not going to just be any kind of king and judge. It's going to be someone who's like, I'm going to do what's right. And that's, the, that's really the king we long for, the president, or however you think of it. The person that we want over us forever is someone who's going to lead us well. And even the best politicians ever in our history, I think of Abraham Lincoln, I think of a Martin Luther King Jr. was a hugely influential figure, George Washington. They've all been like shadows of the greatness of Christ. I mean, Christ is going to be like, I don't know how you can even, I mean, as good as Abraham Lincoln was, a million times better than that. I mean, even more just, even more fair, even more eloquent, even more, you know, wise. And so there's been great leaders throughout history. He's going to be, as the Song of Solomon says, chief among 10,000. He's going to be far beyond even the best of the best. And he's going to rule and reign in righteousness and we with him forever. Let me say a prayer, and then we'll, we'll just gather up. And Can you get Noni and Caleb up here? We're going to do a little bit of a prayer time, okay? All right. <laughs> so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've shown us, that you are the righteous judge, and that you are going to ultimately decide between all peoples and all people groups, uh, their eternal fate. And so we just, we look at that, we recognize that, and we say, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your ways. And I just, I simply pray tonight, God, you'd make this more real to our hearts. For those in the room, for those on Facebook, those hearing the recording, God, I'm asking that you would make these truths by your spirit real to us. And help us to love this Jesus who is a bridegroom, a king, and a supreme judge. Help us to love you, Lord, not just in general, but in in the ways that you truly are, Lord. We thank you for your presence tonight. Once again, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.